1: Welcome to the Hamilton Mill campus that's meeting live, and now today we have the Snellville campus meeting live, the Buford campus meeting live. We now know where Flower Branch is headed and, and Sugarloaf in and Bethlehem. Welcome to 12 Stone Home, uh, the, the, the Bethlehem campus that's meeting in a barn over in Bethlehem. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to 12 Stone Home in Marietta and Athens that's launching. Uh, welcome to Wally and Joy Grant who have a 12 Stone Home campus in Uganda, literally in Uganda. Welcome to 12 Stone Home in Albania. Welcome to what all that God is doing across the globe here at 12 Stone. We're so glad that you're joining us and welcome to 12 Stone Live right here at Central. We're glad that you guys are a part of what God's doing this weekend. And listen, I think you're gonna be really glad you're here. God has you here for a reason, and you're gonna hear more about that throughout the teaching today. But to start, I need a moment of honesty. How many of you, have you seen like infomercials on TV, you've seen the ads online, maybe you're on a website, I was actually on a Bible website and an ad for like weight loss popped up on the side, how many of you have ever clicked on one of those ads, I'm just curious, here in the room, 12-cent home, it's okay, it's okay, you've clicked on, you've had the clickbait. You you've stuck your hand up and said, listen, maybe, maybe your, little, your little pointer on the screen hovered over it for a second, you thought about it. See, maybe, maybe you've seen ads like this before on TV where it's like, listen, you're broke, you got no money, and if you just give us $10 a month, you're going to make a million dollars, right? Like these ads promise incredible things. Maybe they say, listen, maybe you're just a little flabby dude and you want to get some muscles. Maybe you look like Bruce Banner. You'll, we'll make you the Hulk in like six hours. If you just take this little pill, your life's going to change forever, Maybe, maybe you're losing some hair. Maybe things are getting a little bit up top, and you're going, listen, if I just wear this magic hat and plug it in, my hairline's going to magically grow back. See, these ads promise incredible before and after pictures, and they always, they always put the before and after picture on there to catch your eye, because we all want the after picture, don't we? We, we all want to look like that dude who's just Shredded. What they don't tell you is he's taking that pill, maybe, but he's working out seven hours a day. It's, it's not that easy. See, I was in college, and my roommates and I was about a month before spring break, and we saw an infomercial on TV, and don't judge me, for, for this machine that you put on your abs, and it shocks them, and it's like doing a thousand push-ups in like 10 minutes or something, and we watch it, and we, we all sort of silently see the TV, and someone goes, I'm writing down the number. They wrote the number down. And we decided we're all gonna chip and we're gonna buy this ab machine thing. And so we, we send our, our money in and, and it's always way more expensive when they say, plus shipping and handling, it's like double the price, right? So this thing shows up in the mail and we're like stoked. We're fighting with each other. Who's gonna get to do it first? Well, one of my friends won the fight and he's like, strap it on. So he, he sticks all these pads all over his stomach and we're like, all right, you ready to get ripped? He's like, I'm ready. And we crank that thing on, and he starts screaming. It's the worst. He's like, It felt like what I imagine childbirth would feel like. He sh- rips it off, and none of the rest of us had the guts to use it the rest of the time. Why did we, why did we spend like 50 bucks, 60 bucks on this thing? Because we want the after picture. We, we wanted to get shredded for, for spring break with this machine. You see, why is our culture so caught up in these ads, these before and after pictures? We want transformation, don't we? Man, I'd love, I'd love to see if I could just invest ten dollars a month and somehow it turns into a six-figure income. That sounds great. If I could just take this one pill and suddenly all my muscles would pop out like the Hulk, that'd be awesome. Some of you, if you had that magic hat and your hair could come back, that would just be awesome. Listen, we're we are consumed with the thought of the after picture, man. What would it be like if we could actually be transformed? And listen, today's passage in Ephesians 2, this is the most beautiful before and after picture of transformation you're ever going to see. See, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10 all day, and this passage is our doctrine of salvation. This is the foundation of everything we just sung of everything else in scripture. This passage is the foundation. It's, it's the before and after picture in scripture. The first three verses are the before picture. It's the, the flabby guy, it's the bald dude, it's the broke guy. And, and then verses four through 10 is the after picture. It's the muscles, it's the money, it's the full head of hair. It's, it's the before and after picture of what Jesus does. And the promise of scripture sorta of hangs on this passage. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, it shows us what real transformation looks like. And listen, I'm talking to everybody today. If you're a believer, you walk with Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus. Listen, I think there's going to be moments today where you need to just quietly bow your head and whisper under your breath, Oh God, thank you for what you did for me. The gospel can get stale. And you can forget what God did. Maybe today throughout the teaching, there'll be moments where you have to bow your head and just go, God, thank you for what you did for me. And now unbelievers, spiritually unresolved, you don't know sort of where you stand on this Jesus thing. Listen, I think there's gonna be moments today where you have to bow your head and look at your life and say, God, if this is true, oh, if this, if this before and after picture, if this transformation, if, if salvation really is true, oh, God. I would give my life for it. And listen, at the end of the service today, we're gonna give you a chance to respond to the gospel. We're gonna give you a chance to say, yes, I want what Jesus has to offer. In fact, I wanna pray right now for you. I've been praying for you all week. I could not get away from the weight of begging God to open your eyes to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. So let's pray collectively. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, pray with me in this. And so God, we would ask that throughout this teaching today, that you would take the truth of the, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, 1 through 10, would you take the truth of those verses and would you open eyes? Would there be light switch moments where things that people may, be, may have heard the gospel before and it never made sense, would there be Holy Spirit light bulb moments, God? Would there be moments where you open their eyes and they would see clearly the offer of salvation through Jesus? And God, I pray at the end of this teaching, there would be numbers of people that would say yes to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so let's jump in. Ephesians 2, we're gonna start verse by verse. We're gonna walk through this passage. It's too rich to skim through. So we're gonna sit inside of chapter two, one through 10. Here's the first verse, and listen, I'm warning you, Paul comes in hot. He, he's coming after you fast. This is the before picture. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. What's the second word? You, not the person next to you, not your spouse. He's talking to you. You were dead in your sin. I warned you. This before picture comes in like a freight train, just boom, you. It's the reason, listen, most of us look around and say, it's not me, I'm not that bad, I'm pretty good, it's the people around me, it's, it's the reason you got locks on your doors, it's the reason you got a security system. I, I have yet to have a, a couple come in for marriage counseling and they go, no, 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 no. it's not her, it's me, it's me, I'm broke, with you, no, it's always the other person. Some of you college girls are on your fifth roommate in three years, and there's something wrong with every roommate you've had. Listen, the thing that's in common with all your junk is you. (laughs) And Paul's not letting you off the hook. He's saying, you. He's talking to you. And what were you? You were dead. This is heavy fast, isn't it? You weren't hurting. You weren't sad. You weren't alone. You weren't in trouble. You were dead. You were spiritually dead. You were dead in, in any way that matters eternally. You were dead. There's nothing that, that you had to offer. You're done. And some of y'all are listening going, I don't feel dead. Like I, I'm doing okay. Got a job, got a house, got a car, got a girlfriend, got a boyfriend, got a spouse. Like life's okay. I don't feel dead. Listen, let me give you a 90s reference. (laughs) Maybe you're like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense and you think you're alive, but if if you really looked around, you'd realize I'm actually dead the whole time. So you look around and say, I don't feel dead. Listen, it's because you're not just dead, you're headed towards a dead end. It's not just the condition of your heart. Yes, your condition is dead before God. Spiritually, you're dead. But it's not just your condition, it's your direction. The direction you're headed is toward dead-end things. Another 90s movies reference. Think about this like Bonnie and Clyde. They were looking around going, we're not dead. They're robbing banks. They're, they're, they're having a blast. They got money in the backseat of their convertible flying out. They're partying. Life is awesome. I'm not dead. They're partying on their way to their dead-end, literally. Their car got shot up at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Some of y'all are like, I don't feel dead. It's just... You might not feel it, but you're partying on the way to a dead end, and this is what Paul's saying. Listen, I think if you really wrestle deep down in your soul, you'd realize, I'm, I'm heading toward dead end things, but why, why are you dead? The second half of the verse unpacks that, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Why were you dead? Trespasses and sins. The word sins, the, Greek would have, the Greeks back in that day would have used the word sins in reference to archers or spearmen. And it, it was in reference to them aiming their bow and arrow and missing the target. So what this is saying is, listen, this is the things you miss, the, the failures in, in your life, the things you don't, you don't meet up to the expectations of, your failures and your trespasses. This is a different beast altogether. Think of the no trespassing sign on the private property. This is you saying, God, I know you put a line there and I'm going to willfully take my foot and cross that line. This is a different beast altogether. This is a willful act. And what this passage is telling us simply is this. The sin speaks of our failure where trespasses speak of our rebellion. And you're dead. Not breathing spiritually. You're dead. And the fact that Paul says you're dead refutes the myth that sin is primarily something we do rather than who we are. See, we we like to relegate sin to just the things we do. We 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 commit adultery, we steal, racism, lying, cheering for Tennessee, all those things are things we do. Sorry, guys, second half's a beast, wasn't it? See, we like to say it's the things that we do, but God's going, no, 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 it's not an action, it's the condition of your heart, the condition of your heart is dead. And Paul continues, and this is the before picture, it stays pretty heavy. In verse two and three, so you were dead in your sin and your trespasses, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. This goes from bad to worse. See, in verse two, go back to that first verse. I want you to catch the picture. You see, the, the picture that they were, they were trying to paint in the original Greek, back to verse, there you go. In which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. This is sort of a, a word picture that paints the picture of a weather vane. Have you ever seen a weather vane on top of a barn? The weather vane has no power in itself. But if the wind blows that way, the weather vane blows that way. And if it blows this way, the weather vane blows that way. And it's saying, listen, before Jesus, this is how you lived. You were sort of swept up with the wind of this world, wherever it blew. And they went on to say, listen, that wind has a source. It's not just willy-nilly blowing. It is the source is the ruler of the power of the air. That is them saying, that is Satan. Paul's saying, this is Satan blowing your life this way and that way blowing you toward your earthly desires, your, your fleshly desires, the appetites you have for your, for your world. He's saying, listen, before Jesus, you were just blown around. You had no power. Dead things don't have power. See, so what, what is Satan's agenda? What is he trying to blow? What, what are the, the earthly desires he's trying to push us to? 1,500 years ago, St. Augustine actually stumbled upon something, and I think he's still right. Here's what he said 1,500 years ago, our world marches to the drumbeat of three things, money, sex, power. 1,500 years ago, before the internet, before cars, before social media, before most of the things we do today, 1,500 years ago, he said, listen, those three things are the drumbeat the world marches to, and I think he's still right. See, money, we, we crave more money. This world chases money. Sex, we we chase the pleasures, the things we want, the desires of our flesh. We chase those things, even if it's not good for us or others, or even if it goes against God's design or God's will, we chase power at all costs. Man, whatever I can do to climb the ladder, get more power, have more influence, I want that. See, the world worships those three things and gives them the devotion that they ought to give to God. But Satan, the wind of Satan is blowing in this world and we're dead. We're helpless. We're just being blown around towards our fleshly desires and, and it's all a dead end. So you, you know in your heart, you're looking for your after picture. God, I want an after picture. We all want transformation. I want that, that after picture and you, you chase money thinking that'll give you the after picture but you know in your soul it's a dead end. It'll never give you what you're looking for. You chase sex and, and pleasure you think, man, that'll give me the after picture I want, but you know in your soul it's a dead end. You, you chase power, and yet you know deep down. See, that's the problem with how Satan works. He, he blows you in that direction in that direction and then hides the fact that it leads to a dead end. You can exhaust yourself chasing money, chasing the next relationship, the next job. Think, man, if I could just buy this, that would give me the transformation. I, that's the new me. If I could just get that thing That next money, sex, power, or a derivative of one of those, and yet you still wake up empty or ashamed. Why? Because that's what a dead end feels like. And if you're honest, the before picture that Paul is writing is way more true of your life than you want to admit. If you would just look in the mirror for a second and be honest with yourself, honest before God, the before picture is way more true of your life than you want to admit. You're sitting here today going, Well, that's some pretty bad news. Let's end the teaching there, shall we? Have a great week. God bless. That's a depressing end of a passage of scripture, isn't it? Like why you might ask, we're talking about transformation. Why are you talking about the before picture so much? That's depressing. That's not good. Why are we talking about it? Because listen, the more comfortable Satan can make you in your before picture, the less you see the need for your after picture. The more comfortable he makes. Anything that he can do that can that that takes away the majesty and the power of what Jesus did for you on the cross, he starts to win. See, and many of you have not placed your faith in Jesus because you've not come to grips with your before picture. You go, I'm not that bad. (laughs) Like I I adopted a dog from the pound just last week. Like, how, how could God hate me? How could I be dead? How could that be bad? I gave to charity. And I went down and I served in the soup kitchen. I'm a decent person and yet what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 forces you to deal with is the fact that you are dead and everything you're chasing is a dead end. And Satan wants to try to help you feel okay about your before picture so you don't engage the after picture. And maybe, maybe this is because you've not found anything else worth chasing. You know that money's empty, but What else is worth chasing? You know that sex and pleasure is ultimately a dead end, but what else is worth chasing? I'm about to give you two words that are worth chasing with your life. Here's the beginning of the after picture, and these are the two most powerful words in all of scripture. Say it out loud like you mean it, but God, nah, that's not good enough. This is life-changing. Do you forget who you were? I'm gonna say it crude. You sucked, you were the worst. You were dead. Say it with me, but God, let those two words sink in. You had nothing good going for you. You had nothing to offer. You were dead, but God, beginning of the after picture, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Holy cow. You were dead. God is not confused. He said, even though you were dead in your trespasses, he knew you were already dead, and yet he sent Jesus. Believers, this is the moment where you just quietly bow and say, God, thank you. Oh, thank you. But God... Those two words echo through all of creation. The God of the universe left heaven, showed up here while we were dead. So you look at this and you say, listen, there's there's nothing that's going to transform your condition or your direction but God. There's no one who's going to transform the icky stuff inside you, the private world stuff that you're ashamed of. Nothing will transform your condition or your direction but God. See, that's the good news of the gospel. If you're spiritually unresolved, you're asking questions. Listen, this should begin to start growing some hope in you. What if this is true? Deep down, you hope it is. What if this is true? That God could take you from your spiritually dead place and make you alive again. What if this is true? Let's unpack it together. There's there's three words I want to unpack. But God, who is rich in mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Mercy is you walk up to me and punch me, and I don't punch you back, because that's what you deserve, right? I'm a pastor, but I'm, I'm still human. If you walk up and punch me, you deserve. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. And what did you deserve? You deserved God's wrath. Verse three, God's wrath, but he didn't give that to you. You are saved by grace. What is grace? Grace is getting what you didn't deserve. Grace is when God doesn't just not give you your punishment, he rewards you. This is crazy, Who would do this? It'd be like you walking up, punch me in the face, and I give you a hundred bucks. What? That's the the beauty of the gospel. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve, grace is that you get something you don't deserve. That's salvation through Jesus. But why? Because of his great love. Why? Because God loved you that much. If you could see, 2% Two percent of how much God loved you, it would change your life. If you could see a slice of how deeply God loves you, see what is this saying where, where should this what should this look like in our hearts? What does this mean to us? It means that before we could do one good thing, any righteous act, God loved us and initiated his plan for salvation for us. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when you were filthy. He loved you when you had no. Value to anybody else. He loved, and someone, listen, someone's gotta hear this today. You live a life and you look around and say, I don't know that anyone loves me. God is wild about you. God loves you more than you could fathom. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus. And listen, this was a conscious decision on his part. He knew what he was getting himself into when he said, I want you. I love you. See, when you realize how great God's love is for you, you just found something worth chasing. When you recognize how much God loves you, you just found something worth chasing. And the world gives us so many things to chase that promise us, listen, your life will be transformed. This is gonna change everything. You're gonna be happy finally. You're gonna have deep-seated joy. You're gonna find yourself, what you've always been looking for, if you just buy this product or do this thing, chase this new fad, this new pill, buy this new car, get this new job, get in another relationship. The world promises us all the things that if we would just chase this, in reality, the gospel, our Father in Heaven is the only thing worth chasing that would actually transform us. See, when I was in middle school, you could not convince me that if I got Reebok pumps that my life wouldn't be changed forever. You couldn't, in fact, have you ever seen Reebok pumps? These things, these were so dope. These were the best, that little thing right there, you know what that does? You pump it and it puts air in the shoe and tightens it up so you can like fly like Jordan. Like I was, If, if I could just get these, I'd make the basketball team. I wouldn't be on the sidelines, right? Like, if I could just get these, so I saved up and saved up and saved all my money and went to the store. They're like 80 bucks, like, back in the 80s, 90s. Like, that's like $1,000 now. Like, a a ton of money. Bought the shoes, put them on. First time I pumped them up, I'm like, oh, it's going down. And guess what happened? Nothing. I didn't make the team, didn't get any more friends. I was just like the same dude with cooler shoes. Like, the, the world promises us this stuff. If you would just get this, do this, have that, you'd be changed. What Ephesians 2 is telling us is listen, you're chasing dead ends. Reebok pumps, dead ends. I don't know what you're chasing. Anything you're chasing that's not Jesus is ultimately a dead end. You're dead. You're chasing dead ends before Jesus. So, how does this work? This all sounds great because of God's love for you he gives you mercy and grace awesome but how does this how does this work chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 this is this is the picture of salvation how does this play out for you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves it is God's gift not from works so that no one can boast what this is expressly saying is listen you cannot be your own savior You're the one who got you to where you are. You can't be, you need a savior and you're saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from the works that you do. You're not a circus act trying to earn the attention of God and say, did I do good enough now, God? Do you accept me now? Will you rescue me now? It's no, it's so that no one can boast. It's not what we do, it's what he did. That's the beauty of the gospel. You can't, You can't dance enough, you can't sing enough, you can't memorize enough scripture, you can't give enough money, you can't be good enough to get salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. That's the message of the gospel. Because he loved us so much, this stands in the face of every other religion on the planet, it stands in the face of the American spirit that we wanna earn our way. I wanna earn my way, I I don't want anything given to me, I wanna earn my way. But Jesus is saying, I've come to supersede all your earning. Salvation is not earned, it's received. The gift of salvation, this is a really important section of scripture because you have to understand the theology here. Paul's saying that salvation happens through faith. Faith is the means by which God's salvation comes to us. So what is faith? Faith is changing who you trust for the direction of your life. Remember in verse two, what we, were, we were the weather vane. Satan's blowing us left and right, and our life's being steered by that, but faith is saying, I, I'm choosing someone else. I'm changing who I trust. I trust Jesus to direct my life. I trust Jesus for my future. I trust Jesus for the after picture I've been begging for. So you remember this before and after, before you, you allowed Satan to sort of direct and steer your life, and now you say, no, but I trust Jesus. Before you were guided by your fleshly desires, now you're guided by your heavenly Father's desires. And if, and if I have to illustrate, let me, let me illustrate it like this. Faith is trust, but here's what we're told. We're told, stand on your own two feet, aren't we? Listen, stand on your own, when my son turns 18, I'm gonna tell him, stand on your own two feet. We, we hear that all the time. But here's what faith is. Faith is looking at this chair and saying, it's more than just the intellectual belief that this chair will hold me. It's me saying, listen, I trust it. I I put my faith in this chair to hold me. It's not the chair and one leg down and me doing some good stuff like I... I'm sort of half in, half out. It's not the chair and me leaning against the table to sort of spread some weight around. It's it's me bringing all of my weight, the weight of my sin, the weight of my dead and my dead ends. I bring them all and I say, God, I trust you. I place all of me on the chair of Jesus and say, I have faith that Jesus, only you can save me. Not you plus anything else. I trust that Jesus, you can save me, and this passage is is saying, listen, if you have faith, you will be saved through grace, in fact, here's what I want us to do, I want all of us to stand, 12 stone home, right here in the room, stand up for a second, this is gonna be quick, but to the point, everyone stand if you're able, now here's what I want you to do, I want you to sit down, (laughs) sit down for a second, feel that, When you understand Ephesians 2, you understand the rest that comes through the gospel. Every other relationship you have, every job you have, every sports team you have, you have to earn it. What Jesus offers is rest. When you place your faith in Jesus, you can sit and just, oh, I sit in your rest, God. See, salvation is not earned, it's received. I don't have time to teach verse 10, but I want you to see it because this is the completion of the after picture. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The word workmanship, real quick, the Greek is poemas, where we get our, our word poem. It means God is creating you into his work of art. We're gonna pick that up when we get to Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna teach that later. But what this is is the completion of the before and after picture. See, so that's the doctrine of our salvation. That is a whole lot of theology in 25 minutes. So when you, when you sit inside a theology like this, you have to ask the question, so what? So what? Okay, I was dead, chasing dead end things. Couldn't help myself. There was nothing I could do. But God showed up. Through faith, by his grace, I can be saved. I can be made right with him. So what? Talk to the two groups again. Followers of Jesus, so what? This should cause worship to explode in your heart. See, maybe you've walked with God long enough. Maybe you've sat in the chair of salvation long enough that you start to subtly believe that you're actually standing on your own two feet. That's what happens. You do this, do this long enough and you start to think, God should be in awe of what I've done for him versus me being in awe of what God's done for me. And maybe you seem to have a quiet moment between you and God and say, God, I forgot my before picture. I've lived the, the after picture long enough. I forgot what you rescued me from. I was dead, chasing dead ends, and you rescued me. That should really cause worship to just well up in us. Let me talk to those that are spiritually unresolved. And I'll show, I'll show my cards. Everything in this teaching was geared for you. Not only does God love you this much, we love you this much. So maybe you sat inside this teaching and today the Spirit of God has begin to open your eyes to who you are. Maybe God opened your eyes and you realized I didn't realize that everything I was doing, I was chasing dead things. All the things I've been investing my life in, my energy and my time in, they're all gonna come to nothing eternally. See, this is, this is not clickbait. This is not an infomercial. I'm not trying to sell you an ab machine that's gonna promise you six-pack abs in six weeks. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you into something trying to paint a picture of how great God's love is for you. And a picture for how great the good news of the gospel is. That while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet God's enemy, God sent Jesus for you. He's wild about you. And he doesn't want you walking this life as a dead man walking. He wants to bring you to life. See, and I think the Spirit of God is drawing you. Why do I think that? Let me ask you a question, why in the world are you here? (laughs) Like, whether you're here at 12 Stone Live, you're at 12 Stone Home somewhere, what are you doing? There's a million things you could do. Why are you here? Because God wants you here. He he got you here, he puts you in this room, in this moment, so that you can hear the fact that, listen, your life has been spent on things that won't last into eternity. And life is so much bigger than your next paycheck, your next date. Remodeling your kitchen, living for the next weekend. Your life is so much bigger. Listen, there's a vision for your life which is about giving everything up for the sake of Jesus and the glory and fame of his name. And there's nothing like that that can transform you in this world. There's nothing that will truly get you before and after pictures that you're begging for. And everything you're chasing. Listen, the friends and family around you have watched you try to get transformation through all the things this world offers. Money, the next job, the next relationship, the next thing to buy. Thousand more followers on social media, and you're you're doing everything you can to find transformation. And yet today, the Spirit of God has just whispered, I can transform you. I want to train, I want to take you from dead to life. You just have to have faith. Would you place your faith in me? Is Jesus is saying. So maybe that's you. Maybe God answered the prayer we offered at the top of the teaching and God's opened your eyes. You see yourself clearly that you're dead. You need a savior. There's nothing you have to bring to him except your faith. God, I I can't carry the weight of my sin. I can't carry the weight of my emptiness. I can't carry the weight of my loneliness. I can't carry the weight of my dead and dead ends. But God, I place all of my weight on you and I trust you, Jesus, to carry me back to my heavenly father. That's what he wants to do. And if that's you, I want to put a prayer up on the screen. Whether you're at 12 Stone Home, 12 Stone Live, one of the campuses, I don't know where you're watching from today, but I want us all to read this prayer out loud together. This is what family does. We we jump in this together. And for some of you, this is... This is you. This is your prayer. This is not magic words that like magic pixie does somehow. It just all works now that you said these. No, no, no. This is a disposition of your heart. You're, you're saying, God, I'm placing my faith in you. I'm just giving you a roadmap for what you're trying to say to your heavenly father. Let's read this together out loud. Dear heavenly father, I recognize how great my sin is. I realize that I cannot be my own savior and I desperately need you. I trust Jesus alone for the forgiveness of my sins. And I give you my life. Make me alive in Christ and use me for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, you're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying, listen, I want to be transformed. I want to be made alive in Christ. In a different season other than COVID, I would, I would be inviting you down front. We'd make a, a public response to this, but we just can't right now. But here's what we also can't do. We can't just say, cool, good luck. Go ahead. We're, we, we wanna help you in this journey. So I wanna invite you to text Jesus to 37748. Well, all that's doing is saying, you're, you're reaching out saying, listen, I said yes to Jesus today. I've been made alive in Christ, and we wanna come alongside you in that journey. Please don't, Make this decision on an island and then try to live this out. Let us help you in the journey. This is your spiritual birthday. See, the, the good news of the gospel for believers, God, you saved me from so much. Thank you. The good news of the gospel for those of you who are spiritual and resolved is you can be made alive again. And today, if you offered that prayer, we wanna celebrate with you. So let me ask 12 Stone family, What does all of heaven do when even one steps in the kingdom?
0: Come on now. Celebrate.